last song we sang, uh, it's in the name of Jesus that we have power. It's in the name of Jesus that chains are broken. And then we wrapped up with um, what can wash away our sin? Nothing, absolutely nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. First, I want to remind us of this. First John 3, um, the, the latter half of verse 8 says this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason the Son of God appeared, the reason Jesus Christ became incarnate, the reason that the Son of God became flesh and dwelt on earth was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why you and I stand in the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and sing to Him and sing the truth that says, Nothing can wash away my sin but the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ gives me the power to live this life. The blood of Jesus Christ breaks every chain. Folks, if you're sitting in here this morning and you have chains and you're entangled in chains, I've got great news for you if you haven't heard, and that is the power of Jesus Christ can break those chains. If you take that away from me, you have eradicated the gospel in which I stand and preach. We can be free. We can be free of all of these spirits that Satan throws at us. We can be free of, of lives that are unproductive and, 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 and mediocre, uh, mediocre. And we can live a life of power. We can live a life that's full of meaning. We can live a life that's, that has sustenance to it because we're conforming into the image of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? amen. That's why I'm here. I hope that's why you're here. The Son of God has appeared to destroy the works of the devil. We've been in this series called Culture, hashtag culture, and, and um, the, we just uh, uh, came out of the Lord's Prayer and, and, and uh, Jesus teaching us how to pray and how to literally uh, dwell and, and take on His daily bread and forgive others and, you know, just, uh, just very strong teaching, very challenging teaching. I had conversations this week where people were, you know, a couple individuals talked to me and said, man, this is hard, this is tough stuff. You know, and, and as we talk about, I, I, you know, and, and every week I say the same thing. I, I'm not standing here saying this is easy. This is the hardest thing we will ever do because Satan is going to throw everything he can at us. He can't defeat us if we live, if we have the blood of Jesus Christ in us. We are a child of God. We are part of his family. He cannot defeat us, but man, he can make our life literally hell, right? If we don't stay focused on the blood of Jesus Christ, he can literally drag us down he can he can uh we, we get off focus we get focused we get distracted we start believing in this and the, uh, this lie and that lie and the next thing you know we're living a life that's just blah you know and as christians that's not who we are we have the blood of christ living inside of us we're able to live this life uh we take upon his righteousness and we're able to live this life that has meaning and fulfillment sustenance i get that it's going to be hard and that's what we strive after and that's why we as a church come together uh and encourage one another and help each other along and spur each other on this journey this is tough but we're here arm in arm helping each other walk this this life and in this particular series called hashtag culture uh, we're taking a look at the sermon on the mount as i've said before the whole sermon on the mount is jesus saying uh my kingdom is here and this is what people of my kingdom are going to look like 
And he literally just spells it out. He just shares it. He just says, this is what my people look like. You're not going to look like this out here. You're going to be culture definers. You're going to be a culture maker. You're not, a cult, you're not going to be molded by the culture that's out there. You are going to go out and you're going to, you're going to uh, influence the, the culture that's out there with the kingdom of God because we carry this, you know, kingdom snippets out into this world. Just like that song said, there is an army rising up. As we were singing that, I thought, oh man, what powerful imagery of that is for us here at Element where we're saying there is an army rising up and it's us. And we are going to go out and we're going to invade this world that, that's, that's part of Satan now. We're going to invade this world with the kingdom of God. We are an army to be reconciled. That, that, that will not be defeated and our boots are marching forward. And for me, that's what, this, what the weekends are about. We come, we give praise and glory to God and we are mobilized as an army, as His army to go into our world and literally change it. So we begin to study. We look at the life. We look at this this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught, and we see that he said, "This is my culture. This is what people of my kingdom is going to look like." And so we go out because we've been transformed by that, and we go out and we share what the kingdom of God looks like and give snippets of the kingdom of God. And remember this whole thing as Jesus taught it, and he went through what we would call the Beatitudes, the first part of chapter five, and. As he gets down into, as we look at verse 17, um, uh, he, he says this, actually it's down in verse uh, 20. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so as we look at the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is doing, he's saying, this is what it looks like to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. This is what we've been teaching clear through, through this whole culture series, is what? What's on the inside is going to come out on the outside and is going to affect and change the external, right? So if I'm a person that on the inside I am disgruntled, I am upset, I am critical, I'm all these other things, I'm unforgiving, I'm unmerciful, I'm all these other things, what's going to come out is just that. I'm not going to be forgiving to other people, I'm not going to be merciful to other people, I'm not going to be gracious with other people, I'm going to be critical, all those things are going to come out. But when we allow the power and the, the blood of Jesus Christ to come in in this internal, as he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and literally change us, what comes out are the things of God. Now I am a merciful person. Why? Because I've received mercy from God. Why can I, how can I be forgiving as we talked about last week? Because I have received forgiveness from God. I understand the things that I've done for God, or that I've done in the presence of God or before God, that born into this world, I was an enemy. I was separated from God. My righteousness was viewed as dirty rags to Him. But instead of Him leaving me in that state, He sent His Son to die on the cross, and my sins were nailed on the cross just like everyone else's that have accepted that free gift of grace and mercy. And my sins were nailed. God extended this forgiveness to me to say, Gail, I love you and I want you to be part of my family. And so now, when I look at other individuals that's committed some offenses, yes, I get it that it's extremely hard. But when I f reflect upon what God has done for me on the cross and nailed my sins to the cross, my past, present, and future sins to the cross, how can I not be somewhat more forgiving to other individuals? 
How can I look at someone and say, I forgive you because God has forgiven me, and who am I to withhold forgiveness? And so Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, the Pharisees were definitely not forgiving, were they? They had the rules, they had the law, they had the checkpoints. It's like, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And everything was external to them where Jesus came in and said, it's all about the, intern- it's about, all about the internal. The heart has to be changed. And what, when that's changed, all of the goodness will come out as, you feel, as your life is filled with Him. And so he goes in, he starts talking about, after he says this, he starts talking about anger. And he says, this is the difference about anger and lust and divorce and oaths and retaliation and love for your enemies and giving to the needy. All these things, Jesus is saying, this is how you supersede the righteousness of the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees was all about what they did. And Jesus taught it's not about what you do, it's about what has been done for you. And now as you receive the, that, that free gift of grace and salvation and mercy, God views you with the righteousness of His Son. So now when God looks at me, He looks at me through the, through the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. Guys, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't... You've, God has come to you and, and has extended this, this gift of salvation to you and you say, I don't know if I believe it or not. You're still walking outside of that. You're still walking on the outside of that where you're trying to, where God's still looking at your righteousness and it's not measuring up. It never will measure up. But when we receive the free gift of grace and salvation and we become co-heirs with Jesus Christ, part of God's family, now God the Father looks at us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and He sees Jesus' righteousness as our righteousness. Is that not an awesome story? You talk about a good dose of hope. That is an incredible, exciting truth that God, or that, that, that God has displayed uh, throughout the scriptures. Today we're going last week we looked at forgiveness. Today we're going to throw another one at you that is uh probably just as hard. It's called judging others. That's a tough one, isn't it? You know, we were talking as we were sitting down talking about this and preparing for the message, one of the things that came came up was like, what's one of the first things that you hear about people where they say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to that church because what? People are hypocrites. You know, and what does a hypocrite do? Yeah, a hypocrite does one, says one thing, does the other, and judges you based on something else, right? You know, that's what a hypocrite does. I would look at you and say, well, <laughs> look at your life, you know? Man, you're not measuring up. And it's like, that's judging. But here's the, here's the dichotomy that we're going to look at today a little bit is we're called to judge to a certain degree, Right? I think a better word we might use here is discern. We're called to discern. At some point, we're called to say, make judgment calls to say, that's not right. That's not what the Word of God teaches. Now, what we're going to discover is it's in the spirit in which we do it in. The Pharisees and the scribes in the church of that day or, or uh, the institution of that day had it all backwards, right? I mean, they were very judgmental is what we're going to take a look at. But in our passage of Scripture here, I want you to follow along with me. It's found in uh, chapter 7, verse 1, and it says this, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounced, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that's in your own eyes? 
He goes on to say, Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then when you see clearly to take the uh, speck out of your brother's eye. He goes on to say, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. And that's in Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 6 there, Jesus teaching us not to judge. But through this whole Sermon on the Mount, there's four things that he addresses, uh, and we talked about this before, and I'm kind of just revisiting it so that we can remember and recall how we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. As we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about attitudes, desires, ambitions, and behaviors, right? That's really what he's talking about. Through this whole Sermon on the Mount, he's saying it's all about attitudes, desires, ambitions, and behaviors. And when all of those begin to ch- begins to change, then you're going to be able to live out these kingdom characteristics. But it all deals with attitudes and desires and our ambitions and how they all drive one another and our behaviors. And as I already shared with you, it's talking about the internal versus the external. Once those things are changed, once that internal is changed, the external is going to look vastly differently, or different, hopefully, right? As I said, as my internal has been changed by the grace of God, and I embrace this grace of God, how can I look to someone else and not extend grace? It's going to come out. Jesus said it's going to flow from your heart, right? Whatever's in your heart is going to flow out. If I am a critical person, what's going to flow out is criticism. For some reason... We have, this, we have this perception, which is really a deception, that we say, well, I can, you know, that's not really true. When has it ever not been true that what's on the inside comes out and changes the external? Right? I mean, it's, it, it's what's inside that's going to come out. Have you ever had that moment, and, and, and I'm, sure, I'm sure you have, but have you ever had that moment where something just kind of blurts out, and you're like, I can't believe I said that. And you're like, you want to suck in those words, man. You just want to, you know, in like, or reverse time for a second because you're like, I, I don't understand why I said that. But why we said that is because there's, <laughs> that's on the inside. It's going to come out. It'll always eventually come out. Now, again, I want to be careful here and I want to say that I get that we're human and I get that we're all growing and conforming into the image of Jesus Christ. And there's times where our humanness, our flesh, is going to show itself and you kind of just take a step back and you're like, how, how did I just say that? How did I just treat my spouse that way? How did I just discipline my child that way? How did I react towards my brother in Christ that way. How, what is going on? You know, how did that happen? There's going to be times where I think that's going to happen because we are human. I get that. But shouldn't that be the lesser of it? You know what I'm saying? Shouldn't that be the lesser characteristic of who we are? Where we are individuals where we love one another. Where we show grace to one another because we truly understand that, that, that we've been We've been given that grace by God. And it's going to, it comes out, it overflows. Does that make sense? And so the internal is always going to come out. It's a principle. It's always going to come out. And when that internal comes out, it's going to change the external. There are times where we slip up and it's just like we verbal vomit on someone. And you step back and you're like, I don't understand how that just happened. What you know, and, and if that's more of the characteristic of who we are, something's off. Something is off because what should be coming out, pouring out of us, is is the kingdom, uh, kingdom characteristics, the fruit 
of the Spirit. Now, in this passage of Scripture, as Jesus says in chapter 7 there, in, verse one, or in, in verses 1 through uh, 9, or 1 through 10, excuse me, he says, he says, Judge not that you may, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so this next thing, is, this next question is this, what is your standard of judgment? Okay? You know, and like I said, there are times where we're called to make judgment calls. Okay? There are times in our lives where we're called to make judgment calls and we're, we're called to say, hey, this isn't right. Where we know the truth and we're looking at it and through the Word of God, we look at it and we say, this isn't right. And so we're called to make judgment. Well, you know, and like I said, whether we use the word discernment or whatever, Paul tells us the same thing. There are times when we're called to judge. But the problem is, how does, you know, what is the spirit from inside, that, that internal component that drives it? Is it more to we look at something and we look at another brother in Christ or another sister in Christ, and as we see something that may be off, is, is, is that internal thing that comes out, is, is, is bubbling up as love, where we look at someone and our heart's broken because we see that they're struggling? We're seeing where the enemy, where Satan has them deceived, and we look at them and out of love we come to them and we say, man, I, I just want to, can we spend some time together and, and, and I just want to share with you something that I'm noticing and this is off. This is, this is off, and I just want, I want to help you because something's not, something's not lining up here. But the spirit in which we're doing that is out of love, right? The spirit of it is where we're coming to that person. We're saying, this, this isn't right. This is, this is wrong. And we have this sense of discernment, and we go to that person out of love because that's what's inside of us. That's what we've been filled with is love. Or do we come at people and we say, well, you're wrong, and we start pronouncing judgment. See, that's what the Pharisees did. And in, in this particular um, one passage that I want to direct our, 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 uh, our attention to is found in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. I want you to turn there with me. If you didn't bring your Bible, grab the one out of the back of the pew in front of you. You've heard this story many times, I'm sure. I think it's a great story that illustrates exactly what we're talking about today, this whole concept of judging and where, where it comes from and, and, and the ambition, the motivation, the desire behind it. What motivates it? Is it love or is it something else? And like I said, you've probably heard this story many times. It's found in John chapter 8, verse 1. It's about the woman caught in adultery. And follow along with me if you would. It says, They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple, Jesus did, and all the people came to him, and they sat down and taught them. And he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, this is, where it's, I, 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 this is where it starts getting comical when you start looking at this because these guys, have, the only intention they really have is trying to trap Jesus, correct? So they bring, this, they bring this woman who's been caught in adultery, and then they begin to say, okay, this is what the law of Moses says. Now, in the law of Moses, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? It's a trap. Did it say that in the, law of, in the law? Absolutely it did. That was how they were to handle certain situations like this. 
And so they come, and they're like, okay, we've got him. Because if he says stone him, then they're going to accuse him of something else. If he says don't or, you know, and, and go a different direction, then they're going to accuse him of not obeying the law, right? So in their minds, they've got this, they've got this it's one or the other, right? It's either or. And I love how God always works because there's always like the God side of stuff. Right? We look at things from like a coin. There's the one side and then there's the other side. And then with God, you've got to throw in another equation, which, which is human. As humans, we don't think that way, right? God always has the third option. So they look at him and they say, Teacher, this woman's been caught in adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. I love that. He doesn't really talk. He just bends down. And it's been speculated. I've heard people talk about this and read certain things that maybe, you know, as he was drawing in the sand, maybe he was drawing names of the people standing there that's bringing this woman. Could you imagine that? If you, if you brought this woman and he, start, he etches your name out and starts listing some of your stuff, and it's like, whoa, 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 you know. Uh, I don't know if that, we don't know if that's what it was, but it's kind of fun to speculate in that particular situation. But Jesus didn't talk. He just stoops down and he begins to draw in the sand or begins to move his finger around the sand and wrote with his finger on the ground. Verse 7, as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. I love that. I could just imagine these guys, their faces. It's like, yeah, I didn't see that one coming, right? It's like, what? The one without sin. You're right. It's what it says in the law. In the law. It's what Moses wrote. So, therefore, the one without sin, you be the first to, ca- you, you be the first to cast the stone. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one. Beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I love this, neither do I. Now, did he condone her behavior? You know, we got to love the sinners, you know, and we, we well, we got to do something because we're condoning, you know, he's condoning it. No, that's not what he said. But he said, no one. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And from now on, sin no more. Jesus, as he always did, extends grace and mercy. But to these other guys, you know, you, without sin, cast the first stone. How do we look at that today? Well, let's look at our measurement of judgment, right? Let's look at our measure of judgment. If we judge, how would you want to be judged? If other people judged you, how would you want to be judged? Would you want to be judged with a hard fist that when you make a mistake, that when you slip up, it's like, okay, you're out. It's this black and white thing sometimes we have going on where we say, well, you did this, you can't do that, so you're out, right? Or, you know, some of us say, well, you've got to have some grace in there, you know, and some people say, well, just, you know, uh, you know, almost like condone everything, and that's not what he's doing whatsoever. But my question is, what standard would you like to be judged by? Because Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying the standard in which you judge is the one that you will be judged by. It's kind of like last week when he said, if you can't forgive, you can't receive forgiveness, right? That's hard. If you can't forgive, 
How can you expect to receive forgiveness? And we looked at the unmerciful servant. Remember that story we talked about last week, the unmerciful servant, where he was forgiven much, and then he went out and, and, and turned and, and, and threw the person that owed him some money into jail. And Jesus said, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> How can you receive forgiveness but not extend it? And essentially we go right back to that, and then Jesus is literally playing out this whole truth, this whole teaching of the Sermon on the Mount in John 8 right here where he says the first one without, or the one without sin casts the first stone. So the question becomes, how would you want to be judged? How would you want to be judged? If you're a person that struggles with judging individuals and you have a hard time with that and you formulate these opinions and these judgments against someone, and it's really hard. I mean, this is, this, is, this is very real stuff that we do because some of us say, well, I don't judge, but let's be honest, we make judgment calls on a daily basis in our world, right? On a daily basis we make judgment calls. The problem is we don't know all the information, do we? We don't know everything. We take a snippet of something, we see a snippet of something, and some of us will be so harsh to make a judgment call on that. Why do we do that? Jesus says, you will be judged by the same standard in which you judge. I don't know about you, but I would like to be judged with grace and mercy. I would like to be judged by the same standard in which I, th I believe that God looks at me. I don't think He condones sin whatsoever, but He looks at me through the, through, the, through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, and He looks at me and He says, you don't deserve this, but, I, but I've given you this grace, and I've given you this mercy, and I look at you through the blood of My Son, and you're righteous based on that. Now, He doesn't give me the freedom to go out and do whatever I want to. But when I do mess up, when I do fail, and that whole First John tells us, you know, we're not, we're not supposed to be, continue on sinning. But when we do, we have an advocate that forgives us. If we confess and we repent and we go the opposite direction, we have an advocate. We have someone that steps in and, and, and speaks on our behalf, Jesus Christ. So we go back to that question, how would you want to be judged? And Jesus says it's going to be the same judgment that I would use, the same standard that I would use to, to, to judge you. Again, I think, just like we did last week, it always points back to the cross. When I look to the cross and see the unconditional love of God the Father, someone that knew that this cross was going to take place, this crucifixion of His one and only Son was going to take place as we're taught in Scripture before even the, foundations of the foundation of the world was laid. God knew that this was going to happen. And yet He continued to, to create everything. He continued to create you and I, knowing that we were going to be enemies of Him, of His at, at some point. But as we look at that, instead He continued to pursue us with His unconditional love. And as I look at the cross, I see this beautiful love being displayed on this cross. Not something that I deserve. Not something that, that, that I can boast and I can say, well, I deserve that because I've never done anything that bad. The pro like we said last week, the problem is God views us through compares us to the, to the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And there's no one that can measure up to that. But instead of God abandoning me, instead of God judging me, God looks at me and says, I'll love you and I'll forgive you if you accept my free gift of grace and salvation and believe in me and confess and turn the other way. And I look at that and I say, that's how I want to be judged by others. I want people to look at me with grace and mercy. I want other people to look at me with love. I want other people to, to be able to, to look at me and say, man, I know that you messed up, but 
I'm here to love on you and I'm here to pray with you. I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to, I'm here to go hand in hand, arm to arm with you to get through this. That's how I want to be judged. And when I look at that, that forces me to look at other people to say, you know what, who am I to judge? Who am I to look at and say, you know what, you don't deserve it? Or who am I to say, you know what, you blew it. You blew it and you don't deserve the love. And, and, and that's, the, that's where we come down to that million dollar question. How would you like to be judged? How do you, what standard do you use in making that sense of discernment? Are you someone that's extremely critical of other individuals? You're someone that continually looks at the cross and says, you know what, I know what God has done for me. I know this incredible gift that God is giving me and I will look at other individuals with that same standard in which he used on me. Jesus, again, the one without sin cast the first stone. We're going to close our time out here with another few songs, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. As we close our time here with, uh, with the teaching part of our service, I just want us to bow our heads and our hearts right now as we, we're going to engage in yet another song. And I want you to just reflect. And I pray that you would just, as I always say, I pray that this will be a time where you would truly allow the Holy Spirit to just have freedom in your life. Ask yourself the question, how, you know, or, or ask God the question, God, how, how is my heart? When you look at my heart, am I a person that is hard and cold? Do I struggle with judging people? Do I struggle with laying a standard out there that I would never want to be judged by? Or am I a person that has embraced your love? And your, this, your grace and your mercy. And I extend that to other people because I recognize who am I to judge? I'm not you. And that's not my calling in life. I've never been given that assignment to judge. But I'm a person that's going to want to love people. And I want to be a person that regardless of what someone else has done, that I can look at them through the blood of Jesus Christ. I can look at them through their, this, this God-created identity. I don't, many of you probably know this, but I started back to school to get my master's in counseling. And uh, one of the reasons why when I shared it with the elders is because, you know, there's, we've got a lot of brokenness in our church. And that's normal. Thank God we do because this is a place where we're going to come to find healing in our brokenness. But as I recognize that, there's times where I will have conversations and people will come and seek counseling from me. And man, I feel somewhat confident with the Word of God, but I feel ill-equipped to try to help walk with them and navigate and try to set some, set some, uh, uh, some, some stones so that we can walk through to healing of our brokenness. One of the classes that I just completed was the intro to counseling. And one of the things they, we looked at was just what we're talking about right now. How do you look at individuals? Someone comes in and they're brokenness. How do you look at them? I remember one of the first classes we had. We had a we have a guy in there that works with uh, kids that have gotten to substance abuse and things like that. He in our class uh, said, "I'm going to Spring Arbor, so it's a Christian. It's counseling taught with a Christian perspective, and our, um, our instructor obviously is a Christian. But uh, this other this other student in there, uh, he said, uh, I you know, and he was explaining the situation. He says, I just tell him to stop it. I tell him to quit." And our instructor just starts shaking. He closed his eyes and just started shaking his head. And I thought, well, what's wrong with that? And our instructor said, there's, more, there's way more to that than just to tell someone to quit. He said, you know what? In my years of experience, and he worked with the criminal, uh, on the criminal side of things where he dealt with uh, mandated counseling from the court. 
He counseled pedophilers, drug addicts, all this hardcore, what we would call really hardcore stuff. And one of the things that challenged him as a Christian was to be able to look at someone through the eyes of Jesus Christ. That's hard. How do you look at someone that's done something horrific? How do you look at someone that's, and, and, and make a pronouncement, make a judgment that says, you're not worthy of the love of God? Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, that's, that's the line that, that he was talking about. And he said, he went on to say, our instructor went on to say, he said, and he talked about these people that he's counseled, and he said, I've yet, I have yet to have someone walk in my office that has done some horrific, uh, or, you know, in the counseling session, I, has done something so horrific where they come in and say, that's what I wanted to do. I want to be a person that wrecks my life. I want to be a person that wrecks my family. I want to be a person that wrecks other people's lives. I want to destroy everything in and around me. But it's so easy to draw that judgment, isn't it? Than to look at someone and say, maybe there's more to this picture. What's the rest of the brokenness? You see, it's so easy to get caught up in that standard in which we judge and make perceptions and make certain calls without knowing what God knows. And I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to that higher standard. It says, you know what? It's your call to make a judgment between truth and wrong and things like that. But when it comes down to it, I want you to look at other individuals through my eyes. I died for those individuals. Whether they've accepted my, my gift of grace and salvation, the truth of the matter is, I died for those individuals. I wonder who God might place in our lives where it's a struggle, man. It's a struggle. But God has placed them in our lives so that we may be able to show them some type of love and mercy and unconditional acceptance where we love them regardless of what they've done. And, and, and I'm telling you, I get it, guys. It's hard. But I wonder if there's people within our lives that God has placed there so that we, they might find some sense of love, some sense of acceptance for who, for their God-created identity, even though they may not be living out of it, that might literally change the whole trajectory of that person's life. That's what we've been called to do, is to, is to help the broken become whole. What standard do you use? I'm not saying you wipe away everything, you look to the other side and you say, just, you know, condone everything. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. Because let's be honest, that might be a little bit easier to do one extreme or the other, right? The hard extreme is to come in the middle to say, I'm going to look at these individuals through the same eyes that God had, that God does through His Son, Jesus Christ. So as we close our time here this morning, I pray that you would just spend a few moments just thinking about it. Let the Spirit of God come into you. If you're, if you're someone that has become critical and hard and abrasive, you know, with this, I, I pray that you just let the Spirit of God just overwhelm you and over, just, over, just overcome you so that you might be someone that can go out into our culture and be a kingdom-minded person that's going to change the culture for the for God for Jesus let's stand and let me close our time here with a word of prayer father I thank you for the word that you've given us today and the words that we've been studying here in the Sermon on the Mount 
And I'll be the first to say, and I'm sure we all would agree, that this is extremely hard. It's extremely hard, but I pray this morning that you would remind us of the grace and mercy that we've received. And Father, we might look at other individuals, not through the eyes of being critical or judgmental, but through your eyes, and to see that they've been created in your identity, whether they may be living that out or not. But Father, we may be able to look at other individuals with love and grace and mercy the way that you look at us and the way that you continue, that you looked at us in the initially and the way you continue to look at us. Maybe be individuals that just looks at other people with such value and love as you do that we would be cultural changers. And people might find you through just seeing through seeing you shine through us. And I pray that we would be individuals that would be so concerned about exceeding the righteousness of the Pharisees, that we would be individuals that you wouldn't look at and see this hard, calculated hearts, but you would see tender hearts tipped towards you, wanting to give you glory and allowing you to live in and through us changing everything around us. And we just pray all this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.